Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Volvo XC40 Recharge Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. So, come on then, you you had this one, so I get to ask all the awkward questions and be slightly condescending in the manner that, that you normally are. <laughs> Volvo XC40 Recharge Twin Pro, many words, yes. bit of a salad. Yes, tell me about it. definitely is. So, this is a Volvo's... XC40 that we know and have seen since uh, 2017, I think the internal combustion engine version Five came years, out. Really? Yeah, I know. I said it was that long. No, I, I double checked. I had to really double check because I didn't think it was that long. Uh, but this one's all electricy, hence the recharge. As in all all electricy, or it is a completely EV. It is not a hybrid, okay. nor is it the plug-in hybrid version. It is okay. a pure EV version. So um, we know that Volvo is stepping away from internal combustion engine vehicles and they're embracing mm -hmm. hybrids and the full EV versions of all their models. Um, so this is one of the, the, the step in that direction. Mm -hmm. We're assuming, by the way, that everybody knows that an XC40 is a compact SUV, five doors, etc. Bit of a bonnet. Yes. Sorry, I was going to cool. cover that okay. in the exterior bit. Right. Sorry, I just thought we might as well just cover the sort of overall of what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right to say it though. It is the compact SUV in the range, so it sits below the XC60. Nice, simple, clean, boxy design. Mm -hmm. Seems to have done really well. I see lots of them about. Yes. Yes, they are. They they got into the top ten at one point, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Not so long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, keep keep on going with the, with with the various specs. Sorry, I just want to interrupt and just set that little bit of scene. We'll cover it properly when we get to the exterior but no quite right to do that just before you went too far into the you know colors <laughs> quite right i had the pro which is the at the time that i had the car was at the top of the range but the range starts the twin is the recharge twin and the twin means that there's two motors there is the single version as well uh, then it moves up to the plus then it goes to the pro now there is an ultimate which sits above all that. Oh, you would hope so, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> Until the ultimate plus comes along. Of yes. That's a joke. It's just a joke. There is no ultimate plus yet. <laughs> Volvo, you can have that if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm for free. With the full EVs, the range starts at 49,950. You're well clear of the hint of a, of a plug-in grant. <laughs> Yeah, don't be expecting any grants on this one. Yep. It goes up to, well, at the time, the one I had, the Pro uh, the, the pro is uh, 56,700 that starts on the road. But then the Ultimate is 58,050 pounds. That's a bit stingy, isn't it? Yes. It certainly seems it anyway. It does. We'll, we'll get more into that uh, as we go on. But there is, of course, Volvo's subscription service which is called Care by Volvo. And to get the Pro via the subscription equates to £619 per month with a 6,000 mile annual mileage limit, mm -hmm. no initial rental fee, and that's on the fixed 36-month scheme. There is a flexible scheme where you can give three months notice, but I I, I didn't look into the The price of that is obviously... Yeah, it's about £100 a month steeper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it... It seems to be something, I mean, it's definitely something Volvo are pushing and subscriptions seem to be a model that more and more manufacturers are investigating quite heavily mm -hmm. 
there's, there's some interesting stuff even on the buying outright. Sorry, I did have a little bit of a look at this. And that's that if you do the the outright and you finance it yourself, then you you, you get three years of, of insurance included and stuff. Mm. So there's all sorts of weird ups and downs. I mean, even with these, you get a month, a month your first month's insurance is included and stuff. Yeah, I'd say you definitely need to to look at the not the small prints, but what what the options are and what the what it does give you mm. and what it doesn't give you. You really do it, need to pay it's, attention. It's just a bit more than a lease. Generally, yes. it, it seems more than you would normally expect from a lease. So it, it's quite it, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, but worth a little bit of a look. So the the number is not just a number. It you've got to have a look at the the, the context it's in. Yep. That's true. Right, colour-wise, um, this comes with a, a number this year for that, and it's the Blackstone, which is a flat black. There's Onyx Black, which is metallic black. Thunder Grey, which is that undercoat grey that you've seen the XC40s in. The Oops, I forgot to paint it grey. It doesn't look as bad in real life as I've made it out there by calling it undercoat. <laughs> it, it actually doesn't look too bad. It, it, quite, it suits the car, the shape, the size quite well because the roof is typically a different color as well just as a standard it breaks it up a bit there's a fjord blue which is a petrol blue uh, silver dawn which is very much silver uh, and bright dusk which is a sort of light metallic beigey sand right it's quite light so it it's not it's not gold or something like that thankfully because mm. i think that would be just a bit too gauche uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit retirement community. Yes. I uh, the one I had was in bursting blue, which unfortunately has been discontinued this year. Which is a real shame because oh. it was a lovely bright blue, which particularly when I had it and the weather was so grim, they really lifted everything around it. It was it was it really suits the car very well. So unfortunately you can't get that now. Uh, the car I had sat on 20-inch 5V-spoke diamond-cut matte graphite alloy wheels, which, according to the spec sheet, were included in the price, but I have seen on the website, and this may have changed since I had the car on loan, that they are an optional extra mm -hmm. now. This was the twin-motor all-wheel-drive version, and that produces 408 horsepower with a max output of 308 kilowatt or 660 newton meters that gives a WLTP range of 259.1 miles. <laughs> is, is that it? Could they be a little bit more or less specific, do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's not to three decimal points, so I'm a bit, dis I'm, you know, could have been better. Uh, we'll discuss that a bit more later on, and there's mm. obviously zero CO2 emission from the vehicle. 0 to 62, because this is the twin, is 4.9 seconds. That's pretty nippy, isn't it? It is really rather nippy and you need to be careful with your right foot and be aware <laughs> that there is a lot of lot of power that is instantly available hmm. <laughs> there is a top speed of 112 mile an hour now that may not sound much sounds like plenty to me to be honest yes it is well over the national speed limit so therefore hmm. it is plenty but if we remember volvo announced a couple of years ago that they would be limiting for safety reasons, limiting the yeah. top speed of their vehicles at 112 miles an hour. And this is an example of them actually following through on that. This is all part of Volvo's safety is in their DNA that they talk about, and they really are pushing to to do this. And we know it's going to come through with the EU regulations that limit, limits will be put in on cars as well. So I think they've just got ahead of the 
game. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it's going to stop people sort of using up your battery too quickly if you do it in, your, yeah. in an EV. Yeah, exactly. Um, the combined consumption is claimed to be uh, 23.9 kilowatts per 62 miles, or that is 2.59 kilowatts per mile. Okay. We will discuss that later too. Yes, I'm sure we will. I mean, the outside, we've, we've pretty much talked about it, I think, but do we, but for the sake of, you know, keeping to the format, it's, I mean, it's a handsome looking thing, the XC40, isn't it? I, I guess the electric version is, is no different, really. It looks virtually identical apart from the front grille is filled in. However, it seems to work quite well. Mm. You know, with some of them that it looks a bit, oh, they've just, so they've either not cut the grill out or just put something in place. This seems to work the, really well. They can be a little bit lector, yes. can't they? Sometimes. Um, I mean, I think of the first generation Ionic for that one, the electric one. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're colour-coded, and there is something that actually goes into the grill slot. Mm. So it's not as though it's just a blank panel uh, that they've forgotten to cut out or anything. So it, it yeah. I think it works well. Most people aren't going to notice, I don't think. No. Yeah, but other than that, looks like an XC40. So yes, it's definitely a Volvo. You do, you will not go around and go, oh, is that a Mercedes or an Audi or something? No, it's definitely a Volvo. It and and it's all the better for it. It looks really distinctive. It looks really good, and I think it it manages to pull off the not looking aggressive yet not looking like it's, eh. it's yeah too soft or pandering. It's well, something. It, it's not you know. You know what it's like with the, the different ends of the extreme here. You've, you've got your sort of Audi, Volkswagen, Lexus at one end, and at the other end, you've got the Fiat 500. Mm. It, it sort of sits, sort of bang splat right between the two of them. And I think that's reflected in the in the variety of people I've seen driving them. All right. I, I think, as well. Anyway, and as is traditional, tell us about the inside. Okay. Starting round by the boot. The boot is large. It's 400-odd litres. Which, considering this is actually compact, and it is not a massive footprint on this car, mm. it's it's a really useful, big, flat, open space. It, it's fairly rectangular in shape, but it's quite clever as well. Unusually for an EV, there is an undercroft. And it's quite back. a oh, it's quite a big undercroft. It as is, well, isn't it? Yes, uh, and because it's Volvo and they like to do clever things with certain bits of the car. The floor will fold up, so you can have it sat up and hold certain bits either between the folded up and the back of the seats, or it leaves space for something a bit taller to sit in the undercroft sticking up. And and the, the, there are pointy uppy bits on there. Does that mean it gives you an extra two curry hooks in addition to the two static curry hooks that I see in the pictures here? If, if you want, yes. The curry That's hooks amazing. are amazing greatest the fixed ones on the sides they're not the they're not the most robust feeling of curry hooks right with me i used the undercroft i just lifted the the mm. the boot floor and put the stuff in there and i knew it wasn't going to bounce around it would stay where i wanted it to stay mm. but i mean the, the curry hooks do work because i've i had i did try them they do work but they just they just don't feel as well done and I know I'm going on about a curry hook here, but yeah, well, you are a bit of a connoisseur on these things. I, I feel I am. I, I feel that I could uh, consult with all manufacturers and let them know. <laughs> 
It's a the molded in. As soon as you see a molded in curry hook, then you're ra- you're marking down the car. Aren't Flags you? are beginning to be raised, and I start yes. to become worried. Yes, that's true. This may be suboptimal. Yeah. Anyway, uh, enough about the boot. It's, it's got a, a cover and stuff as well. Yep. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yes. It's a it's a yeah, solid cover. Whole- it's electric boot lid as well. Really, it's a good, useful, surprisingly large boot base. It would be a pretty disappointing Volvo if that wasn't the case, wouldn't it? But I, I was so surprised because the car it doesn't come across as that big. No. But this this carries out throughout the rest of the car because if we go to the rear passenger seats... I was about to say, I looked at the picture of the... the of the the back seats and the amount of the amount of foot and knee room there and it's like it looks vast there is an awful lot in it you've i had to catch myself and think are we upper grade here are we sort of xc60 size because this was you know this was originally an internal combustion engine car design Hmm. and normally when you stick in batteries and all the rest of it there is compromise somewhere well the undercroft is normally the first to go Typically, Basically. space in the car is a problem. But this had a loads of space. Like, like, it was all three of the cracked windscreens could get in the back, no problem. There was no fighting, no squabbling. Okay, there is quite an intrusive transmission mm. tunnel. Yeah, there is. But as long as you're aware of that, and then you make it very clear about death sentences for fighting over because of something that can't be changed in any way, uh, yeah. then you get on. So you just need to be aware of that if you're taking, say, three adults, but there's still enough space in the footwells for everyone to sit without standing on each other. Yeah. Uh, and the and the seats are, are big enough. The outside, uh, two outside seats are heated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so you okay. get that. And and then you've there's also a directional heater in the end of the cubby box from the front seats, as well as a charging point. A 12 volt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You do get what you would expect these days in the back there. Mm-hmm. It's a nice space. You don't feel, even though the materials are quite dark in there, you don't feel that it's black hole of cutter-ish because there's this lovely uh, panoramic sunroof. Oh, okay. That makes a big difference. I had that open all the time. Even with, like I said, when I had the car, the, the weather was grim and it was dark and, and all the rest of it. But it because it's the, the glass is so vast, it brings in whatever light there is out there and it just helps lift the lift the place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the materials themselves as well were not, it wasn't black on black on black, but they were of the darker end of the spectrum. So there was greys and blacks and things like that. So, but the, But it was a nice use of materials as well. Because mm-hmm. in the door cards, they had uh, fabric as well behind yeah. the handles instead of it being plastic or pseudo leather or whatever. It was, yeah, it, 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 and that was quite nice touch on there as well. The detail has been thought through of people being in that place. Yeah. This is something Volvo's very good at, though. Yes. It is one of their key skills over the last two two generations, three generations of cars. Uh, and the, and they have reiterated how they pay a lot of attention to that. Because mm. when you move up into the front, there's the sense of space is still there, if the driver or the passenger. Uh, you, I mean, you've seen the pictures there. That's the rear passenger's space was there with me with my seat in the normal position okay i'm not yeah. i'm not six foot four or anything like that but even if i had been there's still quite a lot of space behind that seat <laughs> if i pushed it back with that space and the light and the way the car was set up it was quite a calm place to be even though it was 
rapid and I'll get into that. Mm -hmm. It was, I'm not saying that it, it, it so like smothered you and made you sort of, you will be calm at all time, but there was, there was nothing in it that aggravated you from that mm -hmm. side. It, it was, it was just a calming place. Everyone was comfortable. No one was complaining. There was no, none of that. And when, if you're the driver, all the controls are exactly where you expected them to be. Okay. Some of the stuff's in the touchscreen, like the heating controls, but if you are not changing them often, mm -hmm. it is a set and go. And things like the quick clear for this front windscreen and the rear windscreen are actually buttons. Right. So you've still got that immediate one touch ability, which is important, yeah. I think. An important thing in cold climates, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, on the steering wheel, a uh, nice three spoke steering wheel that you've got the usual sort of buttons you would expect. So you can activate the voice controls. You can do the adaptive cruise control, including how close and far you want to be from any vehicles in front of you before it starts to brake uh, or, mm -hmm. or accelerate. Then you've got the ability to go through the different options of information you'll have on the, frankly, quite large, it's like 12-inch across digital screen behind the steering wheel Yeah, that has two, has two modes. It has the map mode or calm. <laughs> it's called cool. oh, okay which did you choose <laughs> calm because the map actually fills the whole thing which wow i wasn't expecting because i was expecting it to be in between like the power mm. the drive mode you're in and power you've got left as well as how your uh it indicates how much you're should we say Regen pushing on stuff. or being economical with your right foot <laughs> mm -hmm. but when you put the map in those are they're, they're on the very edge of that and and they're sort of a bit more bold, but the the whole map is there for you to see, which is took a little bit of getting used to. But I, I could, obviously, it, you know, more information is better when it comes mm -hmm. to to maps and seeing stuff around. So it's quite good. So you can switch if you're in the calm mode where you've where you don't have the map shown. You can uh, again via the buttons on the steering wheel. You can change what sort of things you see. So it's like the trip computers yeah. and all that sort of typical oh. stuff that you would expect these days in uh -huh. that bit. You can also do directions as well, so it will be telling you rather than showing you a map, it will be telling you what your next move is going to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, but that's clear and easy to read. Massive fan of Volvo's font when it comes to the dials uh, and information you need to be able to glance at and see. Well, you're a Saab driver, so you'll appreciate these kind of things. Yeah, it's a really clear, clear yet uh, it's a small font, so it's not over the top. I, I really, mm. yeah. I can nerd out about fonts now. <laughs> no, please don't. No, I but won't. So, some I brands won't. go a little bit OTT on on the sort of on the sort of font choices. Uh, uh, some of the German ones I'm thinking of uh, go a little bit crazy on the font choices. So it's it's always nice to see the opposite. Yes, some some people go a bit italicy and things like that. This is just a yeah. very plain, simple, easy. The point that I I think somebody selected it is because it's it's quick and easy to read, which is important, mm. I think, and, and what I want. But you would hope so on a, on a car dashboard, you'd hope that that would be one of the reasons, you know, one of the yes. considerations. Yes, but sometimes you when you look at font. some choices, you think, hmm, marketing yeah. got hold of that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> you haven't told us about what's below the buttons below the screen just yet. Okay, um, so... For the interest of, you know... Doing an Andrew review. The fact that you like... <laughs> 
doing an Andrew review. Mercifully, there aren't that many buttons on the dashboard. You might have noticed this, people, in the fact that this has only taken a few minutes rather than 20, which can sometimes be the case. So in the middle of the dashboard, uh, in between the passenger and the front seat, is this huge 10, 11-inch portrait-style touchscreen. Uh, mm. Either side of that are the vents for uh, for the front yeah. passenger and for the driver. And then below that are the buttons. You have the hazard warning lights. You've got the front windscreen, rear windscreen. You've also got the quick ability to uh, stop or play any infotainment media. Mm. Then below that, we get into a... Can, can you change the volume there as well? Uh, yes, yes sorry. Can. Yes, the bevel dial changes the volume. But... Cool. For those that are find this really uh, important to them, the uh, the pre- the play and pause symbols do not move. It's only the exterior part of the dial, as is right and proper. <laughs> <laughs> right below all that is a wireless charging pad, uh, and then just behind that, coming back down the the transmission tunnel, there's well, there's this little cover over a. <sighs> Of a very small cubby, which would back in the day would have just been the ashtray. Mm. It seems very odd that these things still exist now. So you'd be able to chuck a pen in there or some coins, but we think of it as the remote control for your garage doors. Possibly, yes, yes, or or maybe yeah, maybe even the key. Maybe you've got yeah. the the key because it's a keyless one. And then you've got on on the left hand side of the transmission tunnel, you've got two drinks holders. On the right, you've got the drive mode selector. Which is a nice little stubby mm. selector. You're only touching it for a fraction of a second, then you've got your hands on the wheel. So it's, yeah. but it's it's a really nice shape and interesting chunkiness. It's, it's to fun because it. it's the same one as they use in the LEVC taxi. Mm. This one's covered in leather, though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> uh, then as you come back, you get into the armrest and the cubby hole in there, which is large and got plenty of space. So generally, a nice comfy calm place to to sit with some interesting materials seems to be what you've told me yes it is uh, it is it is the touch points are really nice as we discussed when we were just chatting through all this anyway it's really been thought through and that becomes apparent the more that you use the car because you'll go along and you'll just be doing normal getting in and out using it the steering wheel whatever it is you're doing in the car that you would just typically be doing and then you after a little while I suddenly went oh hang on that was nice i had i didn't it whereas sometimes you get in a car and you you have to think you you touch it and sort of go oh that, because i've done this thing you've made me realize something about you whereas i found i was appreciating it after because it didn't bring it to my attention mm. there, that's a nice thing i always say. yes yeah it was just very natural and very very much what you would expect and mm. it just did it in a really nice way it's always like when you get cars that do that it yeah. just seems to 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 chime it just add, it added to the whole calmness of it all yes there, there was one i there was one i had recently which in so many ways was just like that mm. but yes competitor to this the the electric lexus ux was was just the same it was mm. it was a similar similar thing you know similar similar size vehicle to be honest yeah uh, but it was one of those things where stuff just it was there and it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what about the, 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 the driving, if we want to move on a little bit? Okay. Well, the first thing that you really notice when you drive this is it's quick. My word, the, the 4.9 seconds 
Mm -hmm. Because if you go for the single motor, it's 10 seconds, 0 to 62. So there is quite a jump by sticking an extra motor in there. (laughs) And you do, you obviously adjust, uh, you adjust pretty quickly, but there is always that ability that if, say you you think, oh, I can pull out here, and then you realize somebody's coming in a bit quicker than you anticipated or thought they were, mm. you've got the ability to get yourself out of that little bit of a moment very easily, good. which I liked that point of view, but I'll go on later when I, I, I run through my use of the, the car and, and how my week went with it, that I'd possibly mm. swap some of the speed out for something else so i mean that's the speed part what about what about handling what's it like when you're either trundling around or 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 making progress well again continuing on with the it's calm the handling's really really i was surprised it's pretty decent because this thing has got so much power and so much speed in it if you if you are not paying attention because it's quiet as well (laughs) so yeah well that yeah that that adds to you know your sudden oh hang on this corner's coming a bit quicker than i thought it was (laughs) and then you look down and notice quite the speed you're doing or the head-up display tells you so the handling's pretty decent there's a bit of body roll because this is a comfortable car first and foremost but you're not wallowing into corners and equally you're not crashing over things and it's Mm -hmm. not sort of bunny hopping it's the the whole i found it for day-to-day usage with the family or just on my own it it was really well composed and i liked how it drove uh, as a mm-hmm. car uh, there was no problems at all like i say that it felt inside much bigger than it was it it felt very nimble and very lithe Again, with the, having that immediate power, but the the steering was reasonably light, um, fairly neutral. All steering's neutral most of the time these days, anyway. It went when you turned. There was no, there's no slack in the steering or anything frightening. You'd like kind of hope not, to be perfectly honest. No, but there, there are some cars SUV. not that long ago where you would get that. <laughs> there would be some play in the wheel so there's no there's no need to shout ahoy before entering into a sharp corner (laughs) you're not throwing an anchor out the side (laughs) no (laughs) i had the all-wheel drive version so the grip was excellent and that was incredibly incredibly useful and it also confidence building because when i had the car the roads were round where i live were grim to say the least as the farmers were dragging most of their fields into the roads and so that made some some routes, should we say, interesting, uh, and not in a good way. <laughs> it's just it, it's like round here where you just get in the car and you you go for a drive and you find you've got most of a field down the side in the back. Yeah, absolutely. And you get home again. Yeah, but also also makes the surfaces very slick. Uh, one thing that when I was uh, looking on Volvo's website is that they make it clear the sort of ranges you should expect in different driving conditions or environments. So they split it down to uh, that you have city urban driving. So it's a bit like the the miles per gallon that we would typically mm. look at. So the, there is the urban, there's the mixed, and then there's the uh, motorway driving. Yes. And they had, but what I found very interesting is they had two ranges that they put up. So they put up in what they would, what is 
you know, like normal or preferred conditions. So it's not cold, it's not overly wet yeah. or anything like that. It's just a a spring summer's day. This is what you should expect to get out of your car if you were doing city driving, whatever. But they also had in that same uh, couple of sentences what you should expect if it's cold. Now, I found that interesting because they're being very upfront because there is a big difference between how they expect it to happen in good conditions or optimal conditions to how they expect how far they expect the vehicle to go if the conditions are cold. As in we're talking 100 miles, 130 miles off the ranges. Yeah, which is half the range essentially, yes. isn't it? Yes, and that bore out with my experience because when I had the cards, the temperature was of the five to minus something or other range for Mm. the week I had it. So it wasn't warm. It was not optimal conditions. And the range that the car was claiming I would have, and and then the range I would see after doing journeys in how much the mileage would come down, was a bit of a surprise initially. Right. And this is where I'm sort of getting into with what I said, uh, that I'd swap a bit of the speed for more range. But particularly what I want is I want more efficiency because the efficiency was not great at all. It's a bit of an electron guzzler, really, isn't it? It is. guzzler, if you're being a complete Uh, nerd. To be honest, I initially thought that I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. But I checked with uh, people we know that have had this before, and fortunately I was in the ballpark of where they were when they had the car as well. So the efficiency is not great. And considering the car starts at £49,000. Yeah. So so just to give, so to give some comparative efficiency here, because we do kind of still need to do that, I had the Volkswagen ID3. Again, it was cold and a bit of, pottering around over 101 miles i managed 3.6 miles per kilowatt hour what were you getting out of the volvo andrew ranging between 1.8 and 2.1 yeah so that that gives you an idea it was it was a third to two thirds of the as efficient as the id3 was yeah which i have to say not completely like for like but that's still a fair old whack yeah you know I, i that disappointed me I have to say, like I said, there, get rid of the t- get rid of the speed to a mm-hmm. certain degree, to a greater degree. Go closer to the a single motor, not to sixty-two time, but give me more efficiency with that motor, please. And you would be much closer to the range that they said, mm. even with cold conditions. Exactly. But and this is something we talked about beforehand, and I think you were quite right. This is Volvo's first step. Although this is their first all-electric Volvo-badged car, so unlike the Polestar, for example, Polestar yeah. 2, this is this is a, a an electric Volvo, mm. the first one. A bit like, and and I think in, in the chat we were having beforehand where we tried not to go into too much detail, so we didn't really know what we were going to talk about, I said it was a lot like the e-Golf. Yes. Taking an existing platform, an existing vehicle that's really been engineered as a as a as as an internal to combustion engine car, possibly with a little bit of fevness or hybridness stuck in, and it's it's swapping out all of that for as much battery as you can find space for, really, without causing too much of a compromise or 
making too costly a difference to the the body shell. Yeah, as I believe that is the case, because I think you're, you're I think you're spot on with that. I doubt anyone in Volvo would ever admit that, but I think you're spot on with that. I think they are able to iron through their kink. I mean, this is this is a good stab mm. at it, and I think they will learn a lot of lessons from it. Yeah, which will mean that the next generation of EVs from Volvo will be that much better mm. than they were. And uh, yeah, there's there's so, so how much of a let's let me move on then. Okay, so how much of a pain in the bottom was it that the range was quite short? The problem I have is that I do not have a home charger. Mm -hmm. This was getting the harshest of real-world tests from the Motoring Podcast because... And not just from the little windscreens. Yes, because whilst my local... Environ does have. I mean, we we are lucky now, and we talked about this recently in a uh, new show. My my town now does have on paper a lot of charging points, so we've got many options when it comes to seven kilowatt charging points, and we've got two rapid charges which range between forty three and fifty kilowatt. However, every single charging point either requires an additional payment for parking. Mm -hmm. Or is on a short, as in up to 90 minutes, time restriction. Yes, that's not Th ideal. Therefore, I either have to pay an all-day parking thing to get the 7 kilowatt to charge enough to make it worthwhile, mm -hmm. and I have to walk a mile and a half to and from that car park, which adds to the lack of convenience, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is not convenient. No. Or, uh, but what was added with the rapid chargers is they were they at the time I had two electric cars, not just one, but I had so, two. So you get cars. to hear this all again, folks, <laughs> all over it again. And if you're only hearing it twice, you're doing better than me. They were not even running at seven kilowatts uh, at the slower charging point ability. Yet they were charging me at the high ability, which miffed me somewhat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can say. If I was parking at uh, seven kilowatt charging points closer to home, I'd have to pop out every hour, hour and 15 minutes to go and move them round to get to another one because I, was, I, would, I would have got tickets. Okay. If yeah. I had a home charger... Yeah, that's what I'm going with you. Yeah. This car, I would, I, the frustrations over the range and the frustrations with the frustration over the range would have evaporated. The mm. frustration with, with its not ideal efficiency would mm. have lessened a lot. Yes. Because I, I would have known that I could easily bump it back up. Mm. And next time I got in it, it wouldn't matter that much that it was running 1.8 to 2 point whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because you weren't going to be going on a road trip or anything. No. Yeah. No. If I had that, this goes out the window. I would also say that if I had the hybrid or plug-in hybrid, my frustrations would have virtually gone as well. We would be having to put up with him being nauseatingly over positive, everyone, and that would be just as annoying as him being all... I, I, feel, I feel a bit bad about this, actually, having to talk about the charging network, because that is not Volvo's fault. It's com it's completely out with their control. They cannot control that exactly. They cannot control what my local charging thing is. However, because the motors are not that efficient, 
And because the range wasn't that great, again, weather is not their fault, but it's their machine that is to work in all times, hmm. in all conditions, and in all environments. It unfortunately has to come into the conversation about it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair to anybody listening, hmm. particularly if they don't have a home charger. Yeah. Was there anything you did like about the charging experience with the car? There was. <laughs> yes. 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 I know, I know that yes. people may find that hard to believe. But there is, uh, when you start charging it in the, uh, the screen that's behind the steering wheel, it actually tells you how many miles it's charging up per hour, which I thought was a nice little touch. And I did. Did, did you, uh, you didn't get a chance to try it in a very fast charger, did you? No, because they weren't working above above. Because I, I would have liked watching that just going above rapid. Yeah, because I did <laughs> I did that because the the ID three did the same, and it was coming in at like two hundred miles an hour, which <laughs> made me chuckle. I just I just liked that. What was it? Yeah, there it is. There, one hundred and ninety five miles an hour. I was charging at one point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but also just to, before we we move on from the charging side of things, uh, with a hundred and fifty kilowatt charge, Volvo say that you can get from ten to eighty percent in thirty seven minutes. Yeah, I can believe that. Which is great if you are stopping on the motorway, quick pit stop, grab a coffee, come back out, you're going to be, you'll have topped up a big chunk of your battery at that point. Um, and then you're, you're ready to just crack on with the rest of your, your the next leg of your journey. So yeah. from that side of things, it's good. Excellent. What about some of the other tech then? What about the, the non-drivey tech stuff? Okay, so um, in, in the tech side of things, we'll start with the usual safety features that you can get there. So it's got safety in, features in a Volvo. Who I know it's, it's like it's like having a good regular, easy to use boot, isn't it? <laughs> so they uh, have um, various uh, options that were part of the uh, the car that I had. So there was driver assist stuff such as IntelliSafe Assist. So that's their pilot assist is what they call their driver assistant stuff. Okay. Which uh, which also has adaptive cruise control. I only very briefly went on the motorway. That worked fine on the motorway I was on. It was uh, a clear road. The weather was uh, clear. The traffic around me was fine. There was no remotely outlying in, um, environmental aspects that would possibly we trip the we car. We tried it in a V90 years ago, didn't we? And it was yeah. good then. So yeah. I can only imagine it's it's at least the same or better. Yeah. It's also got uh, something called IntelliSafe Surround, which is blind spot, which will also help with the steering. If you suddenly start to pull over, pull out, and you haven't noticed something in the blind spot, it'll drag you back into the lane you're in. Oh, right. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. It's got cross-traffic alert, which includes an auto brake, rear auto brake, and rear collision warning mitigation. I'm not sure what the mitigation might be. Um <laughs> Does it speed you up so nothing can <laughs> <you? laughs> That litigation. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I know what it is. It's 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 it's. We might not manage to stop you in time, but we'll try and make it less so. Yeah. I never had to test any of those, thankfully. Um, so I, I can't I can't go into that. I will say that the lane keeping assist I had to switch off for my rural roads because the condition of the roads, as well as um, the over keenness. Of it to keep you between, be beside uh, or inside a white line, sometimes wasn't conducive to safe driving, so I I had to switch that off. Uh, and I will say as well that the automatic emergency braking didn't trigger 
on that one road that I take that that's, many do. So that's that quite was impressive. pleasing. <laughs> I didn't have to switch that off, so I was happy with that. It had a parking assist pilot, um, which will do automatic parallel and 90-degree parking. I never had the opportunity Ugh. to test that out, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, I must make sure the next time I get a car with that that I go to – there's a couple of car parks I know I can test out without – there being anyone else about so i will do that it's got the brilliant uh 360 degree parking camera mm-hmm. and one of the other things i liked a lot was the Harman carden sound system premium sound it, because the car's so quiet as well the the sound was just brilliant it starts to make such a difference in evs i think yes i th- i i think uh, with evs with luxury now pointing to calmness. Mm. I, I keep saying calm as well. I know I, I must find a different yeah. word or a better word. Is it agitating you? More relaxed, yes. More <laughs> relaxed environment. Things like the entertainment systems can really come to the fore with the quality of sound, particularly if you're listening to uh, really, really layered music or mm. you're listening to very good audio dramas or something like that you i think you can you can bring that in with 360 degree sound in there as well i think that will really liven up an an entertainment side of things Mm -hmm. the car uh, now they have apple carplay in there but the car i had didn't have it so this is a very google centric system now google is the operating system of choice with volvo so you need to be aware of that if you happen to have an issue with google you you need to know that they are in there with uh the google assistant google maps and the google play store to get more apps on there and it installs them in the car is the other part of that because i went off looking for the stuff all about car all about carplay earlier on yeah. And and it was very clear that, oh, you don't need any of that rubbish. Don't be so silly. You just install these things straight from the Google Play Store, straight into your car. Mm. So there is a certain amount of that going on. Just be aware if you are uh, if you are particularly wedded to a particularly aptly way of doing things or you have problems with um, with Google. Yep. Yep. So you, again, it's, it's just being aware of these before you, you make a, a decision on that or... or work one way or another with it mm-hmm. i i tested them out the the google assistant voice activation works very well easy to recognize but then again i have a neutral voice did you manage to find anyone with a regional accent to trial it no uh they weren't about at the time so i right. could not test that one because that is the the usual test that is done and then I have to escort them away from the vehicle as they start swearing at the operating system for being uh, regionalists. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> but it's it's going to recognise my voice because I am a white, middle-aged man. So the chances are it will. Uh, and like yeah, I say, my, my accent is pretty neutral, so if it can't cope with mine, it's got no hope with others. Well, yes, I have a, I have a similar thing. Um, come on then. Overall, what 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 do we feel? You've you've got a couple of niggles about the range, but generally positive. I, you know, that's the vibe I'm getting. Oh, it's so frustrating this car. 
so frustrating. It's no Honda HRV. Come on, that that that's frustrating. No, that wouldn't be frustrating. I think you were very polite. I would have been incandescent <laughs> with, with what it was doing to you on the safety features. No, I found it very frustrating because of my use case, my circumstances, and my environment. Like I said at the time when I was talking about the charging, if I had a home charger, this would be a nearly entirely positive review of the car. I would wince at the price because starting at 49 and going up to nearly 59,000. It's the cost they are, though. That's just it. It's one of those things where... Yes, I, I don't cost. believe any manufacturer at the minute is price gouging people on electric cars. I think they are trying to just about make any money at all because mm-hmm. they, they are they are being forced down this technological route at a really rapid pace. Uh, yeah. So they have not had the chance to bring economies of scale or efficiencies into their uh, purchasing and supply chain yet, I don't believe. Hmm. It's quite a lot of money, I believe, but I don't believe that, that, like I said, that they are ripping anyone off. It's a lovely place to be in. It's a lovely car to drive. If this was the internal combustion engine or the hybrid or the plug-in hybrid, I would be telling people, yeah, no problem, go and get it. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's that nice to drive. It's that easy to use. It's that good looking. It's that distinctive. I know it's going to be it's going to be well looked after if you go down the uh, Care by Volvo route with their subscription. It's such a it, there's so many positive. But for me, in that week with with what I needed the car to do and how it needed it to do it, and not having a home charger, I can't recommend this to anybody unless you have a home charger. Hmm. Okay, if you've got a home charger. You you, and you are looking for something like this, and that price range is not outside your window. You have to go and try okay. one. So you like it? Uh, if you if you don't have a hold charger, if you're in your, your position, hybrids or plug-in uh, is obviously the yep. way to go. Definitely. But and if you go for those, you probably won't be disappointed. No, no. Excellent. But overall, better than a kick in the teeth, I'd say. <laughs> yes. Well, everyone, don't forget, now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rate on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such thing. Andrew, if people want to know more about the XC40 and the electric XC40s, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Windscreen, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way is via Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.